0: So here's the thing. There's a global pandemic, there's political unrest, and there's a long overdue conversation about race going on right now. Putting it mildly, that's a lot of stuff. In fact, that's so much stuff, it's impossible, and I understand this, for anyone to focus on anything else. So what did I do amidst all the chaos, uncertainty, and tension of the world outside? Well, I put out a new book. Great timing. Now, I didn't intend for my new YA novel, Row and the Midnight Organ Fight, to come out amidst what some days feels like the apocalypse. My book takes place in the summer, so I thought it should be read in the summer. And that was all that that was about. My publisher and I picked the date way back in February, and it was too late to change it. The bell was rung, the wheel was spinning— the, I don't know, I'm running out of ways to say things were in motion, so let's just say things were in motion. Oh, the die was cast. How about that one? Anyway, the book is out. It's a novel about two teen detectives trying to solve a series of murders one summer in San Francisco, and it's written in the spirit of Sherlock Holmes, Rick and Morty, and the second Frightened Rabbit record. If books are your escape, then escape with mine. Order it through your local indie bookstore, They need the business, and they will be more than happy to get you a copy. I know, I know. You want to hit the Amazon Prime button and bundle my book in with other stuff you think you need right now, like a bike pump, or a flare gun, or a straw holder. But if you can, go the indie book route with my book. Otherwise, one day there will be no indie book route to go on. Yeah, I'm laying all that pressure on you. Not totally fair, I know, but you get the point. Thank you for your marvelous letters about my book. I'm very pleased you're enjoying it. Yes, many of you asked, and there will be a sequel. And no, uh, there's no movie plans yet, but there have been rumblings. And in this day and age, I'll take rumblings. (laughs) Rumblings are good as gold. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out.
1: I can tell that I've lost my way Sitting out here on my own again this is more than I can take And I wish I could be the same But truth be told, I'm not sure I can and maybe that's okay Now I need a reason to carry on Figured out, but now I see I'm not that strong. But
2: by tonight, I'll have something in my system, everything will be okay. I need a prescription just to get me through.
0: music of Between Kings, a band which features my guest today on the program, Jordan Coyne. Let me tell you a little bit about Between Kings and Jordan Coyne. The best way to live in California, the author Cormac McCarthy once wrote, is to be from somewhere else. Now, I don't know if that's true. I mean, I'm from California, so I might not be the right person to ask, because I've always viewed California from the perspective of a Californian— But here's what I can tell you. To anyone who has viewed California from somewhere else, a different state, a different country, it holds a mythic promise. And that promise seems to be that if you just get out west, your dreams will start to come true. Well, for the members of the Australian band Between Kings, that theory seems to be pretty spot on. A long way away from their native Brisbane the young Australian outfit Between Kings are now officially based out of Los Angeles. Although COVID-19 has gotten in the way of everything from live gigs to the geographical locations of the members of the band – I'll have Jordan explain that to you, by the way uh, – to the release of their new album, Young Love, Between Kings are firmly committed to being based out of the West Coast. Now, Young Love was supposed to hit the streets, but the global pandemic made the band decide to put an EP out called Antidote instead. Antidote is comprised of half of the tracks that will be found on the record. The second half will come in the form of another EP. Now, this is not a traditional way to do things, but the band decided it was the best way to do things in order to stay connected to their fans and keep the music coming. Comprised of pals that met in music school, singer Nick Machuca, coin on guitar, bassist Jaden Marsh, and drummer Nick Fanning. Between King's 2018 debut The Escape was a thrilling blast of stadium-sized choruses, thoughtful arrangements, and big, crunchy riffs that brought to mind everyone from the Red Hot Chili Peppers to Linkin Park. Their new work picks up on the promise of their debut. It's melodic, it's muscular, and it's utterly infectious. With 1.5 million streams on Spotify, the band is catching on, and rightfully so. These guys have got the goods, and talking to Jordan was a blast. You're going to dig this guy. You're going to dig this band. Here's my chat with Jordan Coyne of Between Kings right here on Stereo Embers. The Podcast.
3: for even a couple months at a time definitely is different to living here. Um, We moved here in August last year. And so when you get thrown into it, you go like, this is now home. Um, You find out those things that you didn't really see for the, even if you were here for like, there's been times where I've been here for like three months out of the year. Um, And yeah, you find out some more things about the city and the place and the people that you, you just sort of don't, yeah. yeah, until you, yeah, you settle and go, okay, this is home now. You need to make this home.
0: <laughs> right, right. Are those things both good and bad?
3: For sure. There's, I think it's like anywhere. Um, I come from, you know, I come from Australia. It's a, it's a very beautiful uh, country, and, and I come from Brisbane. And it's a very beautiful city.
0: Um, have you been to Australia at all? I have not, but I know that the go betweens are from Brisbane, right? Isn't yeah. yeah, we've got a bridge named after them.
3: Yeah. Um, so there's, there's definitely is the culture shock. Um, obviously the homeless problem is, uh, you just notice it a lot more. You, you sort of do notice it when you come and visit and you go like, oh, there's a lot here. But when you, when you live here, it's, it's an everyday thing. So, Right. um, and back in Australia, I think we have like, oh, it's a bit of like, we're like 10 homeless people. I know that's a bit of hyperbole, but you only really see them in, um, um, especially in Brisbane, like a place called the Valley where the, the, all the nightclubs are. We basically have like just one long sort of street of like nightclubs on each sort of side. And um, that's only when you really see our our homeless. Besides that, we don't really see them around the suburbs or too much at our like beaches. And yeah, so that that was definitely a bit of a culture shock. And you just see a lot of weird things over here too, which I, I like. It, it keeps it interesting. Um, I say to people, like, if you come over to L.A., for, you'll see more weird shit in one week um, than you do in, like, five years in Australia. <laughs> like, um, even if you just go, like, Venice alone, you go down to Venice and, yeah, you, you exactly yeah. know. You just all right. the, yeah. like, not, not crazy isn't a bad thing, but all just like the, what is this, what? <laughs> you just, everywhere you look, there's almost like a character. Um and um, I've sort of felt that it's it's a weird city in a sense of um it's so big yet it can feel so lonely. And I think that's why people are a little bit more outgoing and a bit more um extravagant or because everyone wants to be like, I mean something, look at me, look at me. Right. And it's definitely a city that breeds that sort of um behavior. It's not it's not a bad thing at all by any stretch of imagination. It's just sort of is what it is that's something i feel like i've noticed
0: yeah in venice it's just on display i mean yeah for sure right is yeah. is there a loneliness that you mentioned is that something that has affected you do, do were you surprised that there was such a lonely element to such a um because la is such an interesting city in the and, and area in the sense that people are clamoring to sort of be recognized whether yeah. it's in the industry or whatever that might be it's it's like you know so the loneliness almost seems like it's surprising but how did you how did you interpret the loneliness and how did it affect you um i was lucky enough that
3: when, when i moved here we didn't move as a full band just yet because of diff, certain different reasons uh we moved in august and the boys basically moved over in january so nick and i were here like january August, September, October, November, December. Nick and I Nick and I, were here for about five months, six months by ourselves. Um, and we stayed down in Venice for a little bit, actually, because um, it was close to the recording studio with Jimmy Messer. And then we finally sort of located into a place in Encino, and that's when we started to feel a bit more homely. Uh, and my sister who lived here was away for about, I don't know, a month and a half or so. So we basically just had each other. Um, so it was... It was it was definitely a weird experience. It's very it was very very tough. I'm not gonna lie. It's like to pick up your life, move countries, move away from everyone you love to chase your dream and do all that sort of stuff, and um, and then move into a completely foreign area with for like foreign people and the ways that people different like interact or how safe do you feel like how welcome do you feel, um, and then so the place that we're living in was quite a little bit dodgy too. So it, we sort of had a little bit. Um, of anxiety sort of going through the first month or month or two. Um, the first couple of days were really rough, um, but you know, that's just what you need to do if you, but this is the place to be for music, you know? Yeah. For, especially for what we're trying to do. So it's just, you got to do it. Do you, do you want to be in the music industry or not? Um, and how I interpreted that sort of... Um it's kind of weird in the sense you go sometimes you feel like people are just talking to you to get to know, like to get something out of you. Mm-hmm. Like the whole network, there's networking and then there's being at a party and then you see someone I've had instances where I've been talking to people and they don't know who I am, but they see who I'm talking to and they, they want in with that person. So they come and talk to you to make a, it's almost like sometimes you're a stepping stone and I don't, I don't like any of that. Like I'll, I'll talk to whoever. Um, I, I don't like that sort of um, thing, but that's I guess the hustle and the. <laughs> I mean, and yeah, it has to be done. It's just a part of. It's just a part of what it is, and you need to do it too. So.
0: Um, yeah, that's a very American thing you're describing. I, I don't know. That doesn't sound like a very Australian way of doing things.
3: Not, not that I've seen, but yeah. it, it very well could be. You know, right. Like, right. I, I I was a bit in the music scene, and the music scene was more. It's a bit more clicky. Like you had to be in on a click to sort of get anywhere. And once they once they had their clicks, they were pretty tight knit. Where the where the positive side about that in America is that um, everyone seems to want to network more and not just have a click, but build and build and build and build and build. And, build. Um, and whether which one's right or wrong, there's no there's no right or wrong. It's just that's just observations I've made throughout my career. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and also what you can stomach, right? I mean, what you can actually tolerate. Sure. Um, no, no.
3: There's there's points of neg-
0: negative and, and positive to both sides. I interviewed years ago. I interviewed Michael Hutchins of In Excess. And wow. I asked him why. I said, man, there are so many great bands in Australia. Because I was mentioning them to him because I love all these obscure Australian bands, at least here in the States. Like Hunters sure. and Collectors, not obscure in Australia, but certainly not. not For true. sure, yeah. Uh, And I said, why did InXS make it? And he said, because we were willing to travel. We were were willing to go. And I look at you and I go, that, I get what he means. It was 25 years ago, but I get what he means. Like, you were willing to leave everything behind. Um, You've got to to lay everything
3: on the line. Like, how badly do you want this? Um, And it's a hard road. It is a fun road, but it is a hard one. And I, I couldn't, it's actually funny that you bring him up. There's, there's you're maybe like the tenth person that's compared us to in excess and and for me that's a massive massive um, compliment to be compared to someone like that
0: because um, I think it was like what their fifth album deep that they only really took off Yeah, it might have been might have been their yeah, and in the states it would have been like their they had a kind of a soft hit with like the swing started to really so' happened,
3: which I think was
0: later fifth. Well, I think because listen like thieves did really well here and um and the swing but but right kick was the monster yeah yeah
3: and yeah so I knew that they sort of and and I see sort of a lot of our career in in them too hopefully as well and and some cases um you know like you know we've had to like every band goes through their struggles and stuff like that but you just keep at it we're willing to travel we're willing to put everything on the line and yeah, and it's it's been odd that that's not the first time that we that people have made that comparison so it's that's it's hopeful it's really cool
0: yeah not a bad trajectory they certainly I mean there was one point where they were literally the biggest band on the planet yeah
3: oh man his voice he's just he's just got such a cool voice yeah and guitar tones and oh man yeah the I love that band
0: I do too and I still think Don't Change is one of the greatest rock and roll songs probably ever ever written mm. yeah you know? um yeah i I couldn't agree more yeah no no arguments there but but what I, what I didn't get a chance to ask him, and I will ask you is you were saying the first bit was a bit difficult for you. was there ever a moment because you could have very easily stayed in Brisbane and been very successful there and done what you needed to do um yes. and had and had a sort of strong regional- potentially national career in your own country and you made this big trip here to do it here um where you're, you're forward thinking and you're looking ahead. But was there ever a moment when you got here, whether it was the dodgy area or the strangeness of, of the, was there ever a moment where you thought, man, I shouldn't have come. I should have done this.
3: Um, no. Um, and there wasn't, there wasn't that thought as much as, um, you know, it's like, it's Mental Health Awareness Month, and I, I was just on a in, interview with a um, I can't, sorry, I can't remember off the top of my head. Heart Heart Support. There, um, I just want to make sure that I get that right. So yeah, yeah. And of course, my heart support. Yeah, it is heart support. Um, yeah, I just did a, a live stream with them, talked to them about an hour, and so and and um, so I. I Nick and I have dealt quite closely with mental uh, health issues, and still sort of go through that struggle. Um, and it wasn't necessarily a thought of, um, "I made the wrong choice," or so. What was the way you phrased it? That, that um, I shouldn't have done it. It wasn't necessarily I shouldn't have done this. It was. It came from sometimes the insecurities of like, "Can I do this?" I see. And, and. I was not willing to run away. Still, I've never, I've never for once thought. You know, times have gotten really tough, and we've gone, we've gone through a lot as a band. Some really bad times that would break up most bands, Uh, not internally but externally. Um, And we just refused to run away. And I think that's a bit of a testament as well. So yeah, and no matter how bad it sort of got, it was just like, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Sorry. To, to ramble on about that. It's like not necessarily that I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done this. It's c- can I do this? And just pushing through those barriers and going, yeah, again.
0: Yeah. And where does, where does that self-belief come from? Do you have, do you have sort of a, a, a hidden reservoir of endurance? Like I'm not, I'm not going to give up. Um... <laughs> it's maybe just stubbornness at this point. <laughs>
3: Yeah, no, I, uh, I don't know it, it. It well, I do know it, it comes from a deep, a deep-rooted passion for music. It, if you if you're pa- if you're really passionate about what you want to do, you're going to endure through hell and back. You know. Yeah. So I love I love this industry. There are like well, it's like any anything the music like any industry at all. There's bad parts, there's great parts, and there's parts that are just parts. Um. <laughs> And and if you love what you do, you're willing to go through the roller coaster, um, you know, the price of admission type things. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, there's definitely times where it has gotten really hard, but you you can sometimes take a step back, um, and then just know that this is what it is, and you just you're too passionate about it to give up.
0: What smooths the corners for you? In other words, when you are going through a particularly tough time emotionally for you personally, um, what is it that is the, the bomb for you that sort of, um, eases everything? Is it a phone call home? Is it playing music? Is it your friends? Is it the art?
3: Yeah, it's, it's all of the above. Um, I think the best way to sort of tackle those things is just as multiple different prong approaches as you can get. So, um, there, there is the music there there's some, like you know I get I get lost in making that and then sometimes on the other on the other hand too, that can be quite stressful when you' when you feel like you've got all this pressure to um, to write or write your like every song for me because I'm a perfectionist is like the next song I write has to be like the best thing I've made ever. <laughs> and I'm, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but sometimes that's the reality of the artist's internal struggle of going right. we've had those songs how am i going to top that and i've heard Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift and multiple different um massive massive artists talk like that too that they get insecure about that as well and to to then go well you're not alone in that thinking and by just doing it um you'll you'll stumble across it and and give yourself breaks too just being like okay like this song didn't turn out but that's cool at least i tried um yeah, so I think what turns people from amateurs to pros is not waiting for inspiration, but going and finding the inspiration, and that's I see, and that's by sitting down and doing it. You, like because I've I've known people throughout my career, and and I was definitely like this too back when I was younger, going like I don't feel inspired to write, or I'm not really feeling any inspiration. It's just like, well, it's not going to come to you if you don't. You, you need to go find it, and that's by turning your equipment on, picking your guitar up, or Singing, writing, and and then, and then you a couple of hours later you might have the aha moment, or you might a couple of days later the aha moment, or <laughs> some cases a month, right? You know? But as long as you're grinding it out and doing it, you're just gonna get better at your craft no matter what.
0: Yeah, and I always mention this because I think a lot of people who listen to the show are young musicians or artists or you know or writers or they're creative people who are at the beginning of their careers, and don't you think that I mean, it's very hard. I'm a writer. When I sit down and nothing happens, oh oh, man, I mean, it it sucks. Yeah, it sucks.
3: Yeah, because then you start questioning yourself and (laughs) you have to play the mental gymnastics, yeah.
0: You're like, I shouldn't have been an accountant. Um, (laughs) But but isn't it true that to sit down and have nothing happen is as valuable or as instructive as when something does happen? For sure. Um, I, I think...
3: I wouldn't say more constructive, but the fact that you're sitting down and doing it is the constructive part. Mm. So, Like I've, I've learned so much out of like, you know, cause I do music production as well. And I've learned so much by just sitting down and doing it. And some of the songs not panning out, but I go, Oh, I know how, I now know how I like to edit these things. Or you find it's trying to find like some good things. Then, um, in whatever you're doing or like if you don't like something go okay like what do I like about it instead of a post like oh, I hate this something just trash you go like oh, okay this this is kind of like drum groove thing that I made that's kind of cool I might shelve that and I didn't like the chords so we'll get rid of the chords and come back to it at a later date
0: you're um, saying you have to engage in the process yeah for sure
3: um and yeah it's it's important it, it's the the aha moment is the payoff of the grind. A grind. It's but it's fun, you know, and and it should be. And even if sometimes it's not, and you're really struggling to get there. That's the most important time where that shows how passionate you are. That you might not be in the best headspace. You maybe don't feel like you can do this or you can write or what am I going to write? And that really I think separates the pros from the amateurs is. It is the times where you feel terrible, you, you um, second guess, like, you like, oh, can I do this or am I any good? And then you sit down and you still do it. And even if you don't make any progress, the fact that you sat down and did it, that shows, that shows
0: the passion. Like, actions speak loud in the words. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Were your parents supportive of you embarking on this career? And did you grow up in a house that was really an, an artistic house?
3: Um, quite the opposite actually um my 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 parents were super supportive, but i came from um a family like to just to sort of shortly again, but like my my father was actually a famous rugby league player um he was like in the like the quote dream team and and lots of stuff and won premierships and uh, grand finals and stuff like that um and he 's a bit of a um part of an iconic team for Australian rugby league um for anyone out there who wants to know it was the, the Canberra like the 80s 80s team and played for Queensland State of Origin which is like basically our super bowl and uh played for Australia as well and yeah wow yeah so so it was very you know sportsman and then got into like sort of business and stuff like that um and they did really well in that um and yeah they they were so it was quite an opposite background, but they, they were really supportive and they, they've been, I, I couldn't have asked for a better you know set of parents. Um, they've been nothing but supportive. And I remember there was one time like, I, I was pretty good at rugby, but I didn't really care too much. I'd actually used to go down to training and just play guitar just to, cause if you didn't go to training, you couldn't play on the weekends. And so I'd go down to training and just sit on the sideline, and just play guitar and just be like, yeah, I was there at training, I can play. Um, and then it's funny, like, my dad saw, like, the, the games I'd play and I was scoring, like, three or four tries a game. I almost broke the schoolboys record, actually. And, um, but I was still, but I was playing the lower grade, so whatever, I was just sort of messing around with friends. And my dad said, like, you know, you actually could be, you could follow this if you wanted to. And I just said, yeah, I was so interested in music and people knew who my dad was, especially in the height, like, the the higher grades and stuff like that and um sometimes they'd ask me like you know why aren't you any good not not necessarily bullying like I, I wouldn't take it as bullying they're more just like you know your dad's a famous football player what about you type thing um but I remember I did ask him one one night and th- and this was a massive turning point for me uh I was 16 and I remember, where we, I was 16 and I remember where we were um we'll just drive and sometimes dad and I would just go for drives and just talk and stuff like that it was really nice um just also just to get out of the house because we sort of need to (laughs) and um I just remember I asked him one night I just went are you are you ashamed of me because because I'm not like really following sports or or rugby and stuff like that and he basically told me like you know what are you talking about like you got your music he goes I don't I don't care what you do like I'm I'm proud of what what you do, I want all I want for you is to chase after what you want and and work work really hard at it and we'll support you. Um and to like, you know, if, if you work hard at it, we're obviously going to support you. But if you if you don't, then you know, then what are you doing? Um so that was a massive turn point for me to know that he didn't even have any reservations or any like expect expectations of me to do that if anything he was really proud i was carving out my own way my own passions and really striving and chasing after those things and i think from that day forward i was sort of able just to sort of (laughs) as a sports analogy just pick the ball up and run with it
0: yeah yeah i mean he recognized that you were passionate about something and moving towards it the same way he did with sport. I mean, it, didn't really, it doesn't really matter what the thing is if you're yeah. passionate and moving towards it with energy. Yeah, and that, and that's
3: yeah, that's exactly it. And that was, they've been a great emotional support. So as far as like coming over here too, sort of like to go back to that other question and what's, what's helped me is, yeah, it's all the above things like, you know, calling home, uh, call, talking to friends and family. Um, it's also just about trying to, the, thing, the biggest thing that, I that helped me when we were in Venice. Uh, Nick and I was just like, Well, we can't just keep locked up in this little house, we need to go explore. Um, and we went down and just bought skateboards. Like, so we weren't too far from the Venice like walk area, like the, the oh, beach, yeah. where yeah. you just sort of go down and hang out or whatever. So we went down and bought skateboards, and I'd go skating around like pretty much every day for couple hours hours just to be out. Um, so just exploring and getting to know the area, that really helps. And then just realizing also too, when you've, you've worked quite hard to take a step back and avoid burnout, because that's something um, that's ex- I've experienced too a couple of times in my career, where you just grind, 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 and you're doing it for 12, 14, 16 hours a day. Uh, sometimes I was even doing like 30 something hours in a session. And um, for months on end, and you just come out the other side worse for wear. And it's about, well, that's a learning experience too. And it's about having that work-life balance.
0: Yeah, because that. Is, how old are you now? 28. Yeah. So doing a 30 hour, you're talking about 30 hours in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Not healthy, right? That's like, no. that's like what Bowie was doing in Berlin. And and by the end of it, he was a skeleton. He was not healthy. Yeah.
3: He was also doing yeah, a lot I, of <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of downfalls that came. So we, we That was when I was writing the Escape album. Um, so I'd wake up at... The normal day sort of was I'd wake up around about like 9 or 10, which seems like a sleep-in. But what I would do is I would write during the day uh, and mix uh, mix and do like other things and like on my headphones during night. And when the sun came up uh, was my bedtime. So from about like 6 a.m. to... 9 or 10 a.m. was when I slept and I did that for months I actually slept in my cupboard too because weirdly enough that next door to me um, they were getting there was construction going through like I don't know like six months of construction like jackhammers at 5 a.m. and all that sort of stuff like that and so not only did I do that I had to sleep in my cupboard as well <laughs> just to get away from it it's not
0: very good for your romantic life you want to come home in my cupboard yeah <laughs> yeah every girl loves that loves <laughs> that yeah. Oh, I, you had me at cupboard. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You sort of realize everyone talks now about self-care and yeah. we were talking a little while ago about mental health and how self-care and mental health are inextricably linked. Um, yeah. But if you don't sleep for a long time, it can play games with your head in terms of your emotions and your moods. Um, 100%. You become less productive. Totally. Right. And so have you realized now that you need to also facilitate your creative process with I guess the only the only way I'd say it is say it doesn't end. It's like okay it's been nine hours my back yeah. hurts I'm tired I'm stopping
3: yeah it it you you have to take time out for yourself. I'd say that's just as important. That that's important for your longevity. Um yeah, cause, uh, cause I was living with my parents at the time when I was writing that album. Um because I you know that's the only Place I could live, um, and I remember my dad would come in and he'd just go like I'd be working away. And he goes, "Have you eaten yet?" And most of the time, I'd be no. And he'd actually have to go stop, and we'd go down the road and go grab something, and and then I'd come back, and yeah, he'd always have to like force me away to go even do the basic necessities of living, like eat. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but. But approaching this second album, I approached it a lot differently. Um, I approached it much like the gym, where um, you you can't go to the gym every single day and pump the hardest you can and do that for however long? Like your your body's going to give in. You're going to degrade your muscles probably and come out worse or get an injury, and then you have to might take x amount of weeks off to recover from that injury. So. Yeah, I sort of try to think about it in that way of like rest is ju- rest and relaxation, and and just taking the mental time to go. I've worked x amount of hours today. That's enough. Go, go do something else. Go relax. And um, yeah, like I was looking at Beethoven's ritual, like daily routine, and even his was like that. Oh, really? Like, yeah, I, I saw it. It was one of those random YouTube things that popped up. I was, I was just like, oh, I'll watch it. And yeah, he'd get up at I don't know. I think it was like six, I think it was about from like 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. he worked, which is, which is pretty decent, yeah. but like nothing like crazy. You'd think like Beethoven would be having away for ages or whatever, but he'd do that. And then he said he'd go for a walk and take part, like take some notes with him in case inspiration hit. Um, then he'd go down to the pub to, with his friends, come back, have dinner, be in bed relatively early and rinse and repeat. So, you know, a big chunk of his day was taken by music, but then the other third of it was seeing friends and relaxing and giving yourself a break from that. So it's like, well, shit. If he if he does it that way, if he can do it that way, then you know, it's it's just yeah. I guess to hammer home the point is, it's just as important.
0: It's balanced. I would have loved it. It was like Beethoven got up, worked from six to two, then he did push-ups, and then he <laughs> yeah, he got the um.
3: Like the you got a you got a door you got a gym thing. <laughs> we got one those up there. Oh, we, have um,
0: of those? I have one of those. those yeah, are great. let's see it's it. The, yeah, the I have that same thing. Yeah, yeah. where well, you can do them like this too, and you can do them. Yeah, time. yeah.
3: Because well, we we live together as um uh, as a band now. Uh, in in you know, the the boys aren't here. They've had to you know go back to home to. The whole coronavirus thing is just. We were going to stay, but then when everything was starting to get. All right, this is gonna be a worldwide pandemic and get crazy. They've got they've got wives and families and stuff, and it's just like, well, there's no use sitting around here. I don't really have too much back home. Like I decide to create my life here and that's what I'm doing. Um, but it's funny, yeah, with the with that thing, we'd um we'd say whenever it's on a door frame, you, you have to, you have to do 10, 10 pull-ups. And then once you've done that, you can go put it on someone else's door. So, so like Nick would be in his room and I'd open his door and I'd put the bar on. And like, so no matter what, whenever you came out, you had to, if you had, if you had to walk through, you had to do it. Yeah. So we, yeah. We yeah. <laughs> would we do like a hundred pull-ups a day.
0: <laughs> it's basically pull-up peer pressure. It
2: really is. It was, yeah. it was a lot of
0: fun. Um, yeah, I like that thing because you can take it off and literally just move it wherever you want.
3: Yeah. And um, if you knew someone was coming through like a different doorway, you can, like if you did your 10, you can run and put it up
0: and they're like, God damn it. <laughs> I know. And also I think that you do have to approach anything that requires endurance. It, your, your training for it is really athletic. The same way an athlete prepares for, um, you know, training for what they do. It's the same kind of thing for music. It's this where you have to eat correctly, you know, sleep correctly, um, look after yourself, um, there, it does require its own training.
3: Yeah, and like and like we were talking about before, even if you aren't feeling inspired, that's your training. Like that's, that's right. That's you, that's you going to the gym and working out your musical muscles or whatever. Right. Um. But yeah. Um. I think it was. I think it was Bruce Lee. I got. I got two things. Like Nike have the best. The best slogan, like "Just Do It." So, when people ask me, like, oh, how do you do this? How do you da- do that? A lot of artists who are trying to just get into the music industry or trying to pick up the guitar for the first time, there's a couple of things to say, like, well, just do it. You know, that's, that's all you can really do. Uh, and if you're sort of feeling like doubtful about it, you know, you've got to think that every artist, every artist that you've ever loved, you know, like we're talking about Michael Hutchins, Jimi Hendrix, David Bowie, the Beatles, they all had day one, you know? Mm-hmm. It, they didn't just pick up and all of a sudden there was purple haze or there was, you know, uh, Ziggy Stardust or whatever. It's, um, you know, they had day one. So let yourself let yourself have day one and be kind to yourself.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, w- when I interview, um, sometimes at, at bookstores here in the, in the Bay Area, I'll interview authors. And at the oh, yeah. end, when the authors do the reading and we chat for a bit and then the, we take questions from the audience – people always want to ask and they sort of ask around it, which is kind of like, what's your process? What's your, this, what's your, that. And really what they're trying to really ask is how do I put a book out? And the answer is you write one, you have to sit down and write it. You know Um, you can't just sort of talk about the thing you're going to do. You have to do the thing you're going to do. Yeah.
3: It definitely is like the whole manifesting thing and, and really putting it out there. And, and you know, even if you have like, vision boards and um, like notes or like just things to sort of like help you visualize that is quite important too Um, you know like I I do that before I go on stage like I just visualize myself just up there crushing it (laughs) and we'll talk about sports yeah my dad said he did the same thing he said when he got the ball and then there was someone coming towards him he said he would visualize him running through that person (laughs) I'm just like you're a badass. <laughs> i got a badass dad. Um, so uh, yeah, visualizing is definitely important for those things too. But but you're right. There's also I was also reading about. There's a lot of um, sort of science behind the thing of that. Um, there's a couple of things that I like to do in secret as well because I have I have read and I, I, can, I can sort of feel this is true that when you tell someone you're going to do something, it gives you a dopamine hit. As if you've already sort of accomplished a bit of it so like there's there's a couple of things in my life where i've just done fully under the radar and then someone be like oh like there's the finished result or there's there's this or there's that it's like yeah i didn't want to i didn't want to talk about it like i I visualized it in my head but i didn't want to give myself that little credit type thing of like yeah that little dopamine hit of yeah, you're telling people that, so it's like, yeah, you feel good or whatever. It's just like, no, you got you gotta do
0: it. You gotta do this. Right, because it feels like it's done when, when you haven't. I, I remember in graduate school for I was in a, a writing program in graduate school and people there were certain people who would tell you all day about the novel they were gonna write. And I can yeah. tell you, 25 years later, they haven't written that novel. Yeah, and they, that uh, point is
3: just to that point. Exactly, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
3: it's it can be daunting, but if you just chip away and like s- slow, like yes, to quote, um common, like a rapper, like, like slow motion is better than no motion. So it's exactly. because it's motion. I'm not too sure if it's his quote either, but that, I heard it from his song. I think it's the food. I like that song a lot. Yeah. So even if you sit down and you just, you've just done an hour and then you go and then you tap out after that, if you, if you're tapping out because unvalid reasons, try to stick it out. But if you really go like, I just, need to take a step away, then listen to you, Listen to yourself too sometimes.
0: Have um, you become better at listening to
3: your instincts? For sure. There's been days where I have done like the massive like 14, 16 hours, but that's because I've been in it and I've been loving it and enjoying it. And then there's sometimes where there's days where I've just gone, I, I, I don't know if I can do this today, but then I sit my ass down, like I switch because I'm actually at my studio now. I've got my keyboard and my monitors and guitars and stuff like that. I just sit down and I just turn everything on, and just doing that alone. That's just like just getting into it and and just see what happens. Uh, and then if nothing happens, just not be too hard on yourself or, or try to find things that are easier. Um, so or swap it up. If, if you're a guitar player, like I might go to if I'm not liking what I'm writing on the guitar, I'll swap to drums or I'll swap to keyboard or I'll swap to this or that. Um, or I'll swap to things that are a bit, you know, I might, I might copy a bit of heat for it, but a bit more mathematical in production, stuff like that, where, um, you know, they say to like, use your ears and that sort of stuff like that. And that's, that's very valid and very important. But then they also, people say like, there's people that like, that's sort of purists, but like, don't look at the meters and blah, blah, blah. But there is like sweet spots and things you want to hear and you don't want to you know, for a guitar, you want certain frequencies to be enhanced and or harshness to be bottomed out or stuff like that. So those things are a bit more uh, mathematical or a bit more um learned, I guess, where you just go in. And it's like that's sort of a bit of a matter-of-fact thing. There are little discrepancies going like, oh, these sort of things, that's the sort of ballpark, but then you now know that's that ballpark. Um, so instead of like being creative sit down and, and what's something a bit more objective towards music that you can learn.
0: I see. Yeah. It's that, and that's an approach that you didn't have maybe five years ago. That's really something you've oh, refined for sure. Yeah. That's
3: yeah. That's definitely something in the last couple of years I've, I've learned to do that. If, if I'm not having a good day creating, I'll look up some things about production or editing and um, how to do certain different things and different tricks. And sometimes that might spark an idea. Um, so yeah if, you, if you're not feeling necessarily creative try to think of what the more um, things that are a bit, bit more objective that you can find like some people you know still like writing sheet music every bar is always going to be like everything's going to be the same there's no like creative process around that it's like right. this line is E this line is F
1: you know you say at your age Well, I don't want to make that change Cause I'm not like you I don't want to believe we're the same So can we just pretend That this night will never end Cause we're too damn young to give a f- We're too
2: damn
0: Were mentioning Bowie and the Beatles and um what I love about them is the beginning of their career doesn't resemble anything uh, about the end of it the evolution is so incredible um yeah. you know what I mean I mean like those like meet the beatles has nothing to do with sergeant peppers or abbey road or yeah. um yeah you know, I mean obviously there, there are the obvious through lines but really the evolution is astounding do you Absolutely. feel that like you are as a musician do you feel that evolution are you aware of that evolution happening within you
3: yeah, um 100% I I was actually just thinking about that the other day. Um where when you first especially like as as a young teenager like you you like what you like and you can't help that like and 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 there's nothing wrong with that at all. You like what you like and you're going to sort of our manager sort of said there's like there's sort of like three the three eyes of a of a musician's like sort of creative career as as development it's um inspiration imitation and then innovation so when when you're first starting out you're gonna do your covers you're gonna learn those chords you're gonna you're gonna if you like bleak 182 you're gonna sound the first couple songs you're gonna write are gonna sound like bleak 182 copies almost and that's fine that's just a part of part of your career Then there's the inspiration where you're inspired by these different things, but you start to sound like you. And then there's innovation where it comes from within. And I feel like I've really hit that stride now. Like I've done this for, I started playing music when I was 13 and I'm now 28. So what was that like 15 years? 15 years. Yeah, 15 years. So I definitely feel like I've, especially if this, and it's on this record, I feel like we've hit that. With the escape, I still, I feel like we were in that transition period of inspiration and um, innovation, where there was some song. There's definitely some songs where you can feel you can feel the inspirations that we had, but they don't sound like carbon copies of like we just um, picked up a I don't know a, a whatever song and went I want to write a song like that, and then you do that. It's like okay, I like these bands and you start to do that. And there was was, um, uh, innovation in there. But what's really exciting about this one, this record is that we've been asked a lot, like, who are your influences? And it it really is like, it comes from within now. Um, And you you still get inspiration for sure, but it's more of a global type thing instead of going, I like these sort of things. And then you get inspired by that. Like there's... (laughs) There's some things where like, you know, we're we're an alternative band, but I've got some like trap hats type stuff in whatever and some 8080, like some stuff that I like from the the rap scene, and there's stuff like, you know, country or whatever, like their harmonies are, are insane. And you know, so like you go like you can might put like a, a country type harmony where it's like it's really just nice and pleasing to the ear, and then and then you can throw an EDM swing on that and go cool let's run those nice vocal harmonies through a vocoder (laughs) like yeah yeah and and then you start to sort of create your own yeah your own sound so yeah it's uh, definitely think we've we have sort of hit that stage and and i'm looking forward to even growing seeing what's beyond that too right yeah 100 yes i can i can see that evolution in my career and us as a band
0: it's also remarkable to think that 15 years is a good. That's a good wind up to starting to evolve. The Beatles had already broken up, and un, much under that time. And look at their crazy evolution. It makes you think how remarkable they were. One hundred percent for sure. It's insane. Um, I talked to um hockey dad. Do you know hockey dad? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I talked to Zach from Hockey Dad, and he was telling me that he was listening to a ton of country music. Which. Oh, yeah. Right? He was like, oh, yeah, I got really into into Marty Robbins. And I was like, I did not see that coming. Um, yeah. and, he, and he didn't either. And he was saying that how um, that has started to show up in his songwriting, his narratives have taken on a totally different kind of bent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so sometimes inspiration can come from a very unlikely place. 100%. And you seem like you're very open to anything. Absolutely. Yeah,
3: yeah I think... there's nothing wrong with liking what you like I I definitely like what I like but a a way I approach I try to approach things now and this has been definitely the last couple of years too and I see this in people because you see this on like comments on your songs or other people's songs or your friends songs where someone has an account but they're in a band and they're like it's trash whatever fucking bleach my ears or whatever and you're like whatever like I get I get it I get it Um, but I think it's important and I've started doing this, you know, maybe at least a year, but if, if, if there's a song you don't like, um, there's a song that, there's a song that was on massive repeat on the radio and I'm I'm not one to shit on pop stars for being pop stars. I love pop music. Um, but there was one in particular, I'm just like, this just sets me off. I can't stand it. Um, more so, like how many producers were involved, all the like production and the money that gets pumped into it, and I'm like, this is the result, like this half baked sort of thing. But then I went, then we start to look at it and go, well, what do I like in this? And and I've really, I've really, really taken that approach in trying to almost most aspects of my life, trying to like, okay, if I don't like something, what's something in it that I do like? um and it might be like oh cool i like their little this like fill here i like that vocal run or they've got a cool effect like what are they doing there or yeah and it's like you so you don't just discard everything there might be some like little piece of gold that you can sort of find out of something instead of just going oh i don't like that and chucking it away just sort yeah. of dissecting everything going oh cool there's this little part here i like and that's pretty cool
0: it's a great attitude to have because obviously I, I'm like you, like I kind of feel that if, if art is made, um, I have no interest in disparaging it. I yeah. just don't, you know, there's too much time and there's too much effort and there's too much sacrifice um, put into something where I don't feel comfortable. Um, Cause some critics do, they like to rip stuff apart. Um, yeah. We, we've definitely if, had our fair share of that sort of stuff too. Sure. Everyone's going to, you know, Oh, I mean, like when my, when my first book came out, um, cause I teach university and some guy wrote on Amazon, I can't believe this guy teaches college. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. I mean, but I do. And the thing about it is, is that you can, um, I don't feel comfortable just tearing someone down who has created something.
3: I, right. I couldn't do it.
0: Like, no. yeah, like I,
3: I just can't even there's, there's constructive feedback and then there's just being a dick. Right.
0: Right. <laughs> Right. And, and and maybe it's a funny one-liner, but it's like you're still kind of being a dick. And Yeah, um, some of them are kind of funny. Uh, yeah. They are. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like that's, that's pretty yeah. The, the one that got me was actually really funny. Um, yeah. I'm like, you know, I can't believe it sometimes either, dude. Um but but the fact of the matter is is that I like the fact that you are are willing to listen to something with such an open mind, but also if you are recoiling, if you're saying like something in me is not responding to this but also trying to find something in there that you are responding to, that's a good exercise, I think, to do, just in
1: general. Yeah,
0: I, I'd like to think so.
3: Yeah, that's definitely helped me in songwriting and growing as an artist, too. And just, yeah, it's just sort of like whatever comes your way, just trying to yeah, find the find the thing that you do like if you don't. And and like like I said, there's nothing wrong with liking what you like. There's definitely... I definitely have predisposition, predispositions to like certain types of sounds and music and stuff like that. But but yeah, like I said, I'm not going to discredit. I'm, I've never... Never shout on anyone for making something I couldn't think of. Honestly, anything worse that someone's going like, hey, what do you think? And then someone's like, it's shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hated it.
3: <laughs> yeah, and it's just like there's there's no reason for that, you know? If you don't like it, it's like, oh, it's just it's, it's not my thing. Or just like, yeah, cool, good, like good job, but, you know, not for me. And then you go, and those are the sort of things where you're like, cool, like, you know, that, that's, that's fine. And, and for the young artists listening to this and stuff like that too, like, You're gonna when you start to get a bit more in the public eye and and take off like not necessarily saying that we've taken off but you know we've gotten to a point now where we're getting more and more things to come in and you're um you're you're gonna get hate mail you just are and that's just part of the game it's and then it's about having the mental fortitude to go either, either laugh at some of the stuff um not take yourself so seriously and really just not let it get to you and probably don't respond unless you've got like some funny one liner back or um but nothing that's super mean because then that can be used against you and whatever but it's more about it has to become water off a duck's back you know like just let it let it wash over you all good like you've got you've got 100 good comments don't let the one comment that's negative stand out. just go cool that's that's something to do with them not with me they don't like what i do that's fine but if they're being nasty about it and it's like well that's that's on them
0: that has nothing to do with me right it's weird though because like if 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 nine people walk by you that don't even know you and they say love your record love your record love your record and the 10th person goes i hate your record you remember the guy who said i hate your record <laughs> yeah and and that's i've
3: read a bit about that in like human like psychology is always really interested me as well, and the way the mind thinks, and and that's me also trying to help myself and get through things as well. And and I have heard that like where, um, if you, you can, the analogy that was used, like you can go to say a restaurant every night, like say you just went to a restaurant every single night for a month, and um, so you know you had. Thirty meals at thirty restaurants, and there was one neg- and there was one really bad restaurant. You're gonna remember the, you're like that place sucked, and you might not remember all like the good ones being like, oh, the steak there was good, or the, this there was that right. was good. Like there's some definitely the ones that outstand, but we have a <clears throat> tendency as human beings to focus in on those sort of things, and I think it's becoming aware of that and not feeding into that. Like, we, we know, we've, we've released, even with Antidote and Too Young to Give a Fuck, like, we've, that we've just released, we've got some negative stuff on it, but, like, whatever. Because, we you know, like, as you probably heard, like, we've changed styles quite drastically, um, which is part of the evolution. Right. Um, and finding who we are and what we want to sound like and actually find the Between Kings sound. Um, and, and, yeah, and pretty much 99% of fans have been absolutely welcoming and really, really love the new direction, the new sound. And then there might be like, you know, the one or two that doesn't like it and all the, the other one that's being nasty and they're not really maybe a fan to begin with. But yeah, it's just um, reinforcing yourself with those positive things and not letting, yeah, just trying not to let the negativity get to you.
0: Yeah, and being realistic. I mean, like we were talking about the Beatles. If you, if you go on Amazon and look at the reviews for the White Album, the first 50 are... You know, this is the greatest thing ever. And then fifty one is like, this band's a joke. And you're like, yeah, hey. sure. <laughs> Whatever. I think
3: about it even too, like, yeah, it's it's gonna, it's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to everyone. And um, what was what was that like? Like that's why Ed Sheeran got off Twitter. Like he was getting like death threats and yeah, and, and this poor dude. I'm just like, you know, poor. poor. I was like, he's just a dude from the subway with an acoustic guitar who just. Happened to like really just take off in a massive way, and and the way he sort of described it was you know a little bit heartbreaking. He goes like, "I don't understand. I'm just a guy making music he likes that happens to get out there. Like I'm just a dude with a guitar. I don't understand why people want to kill me." And yeah, it's just that's, that's the way the world is, and, and it's really upsetting. So it's like if he gets it, just this this nice man with a crisp guitar, you're gonna get it. And yeah. it's, it's about having the mental fortitude to, and I had a friend recently, she was started doing a, she's, she's actually grown quite, like growing rapidly now. Um, and she was doing veterinarian type stuff. And um, she asked me, because I grew like the Between Kings pages and my personal page and um, all that sort of stuff. And she was asking me about social media and how to optimize it and get good at it. And I sort of gave her all the advice uh, and all the tips and tricks that I sort of knew. And um, and then she came back to me maybe like a month later and she was asking me like how I dealt with all the negative feedback because, you know, all she was doing is trying to get information out there to people. But, you know, she's a sensitive girl too. And, right. Um, and again, one of those things like, she's like, do you want to see a video of me doing this or whatever? And then 99 is yes and then there's the one or two no's and then she really let, like, let that hang on. And she's like, how do, you, how do you deal with this? I'm just like, they're not your audience. Like, don't don't worry about them. Like, if, if they're not, if they're not gonna like like what you do, then they're not coming back. Like. Right. Yeah, it's just like not, not everyone's gonna be your audience, and then you know that your audience did want that, they don't. Doesn't matter. Do what you want to do, and your audience will naturally flock to it because the, they'll be naturally interested in that.
0: Now, conversely, there's a very Australian idea of is it tall poppy syndrome, is that what it's called? Where right? Can you explain that for for our listeners, just who don't know? Um,
3: it's a thing and I'm not one to um I obviously don't wanna just shit on my own country and and my own countrymen and stuff like that, but well, I'm American now as well. (laughs) Um I can talk shit on LA just as much as I can talk shit on Australia. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I found that to be quite prevalent in in Australia, and it it was the one. It was definitely a thing I couldn't stand. And from the top to the bottom, that seemed to be the case as well. And and this is not everyone. It's it's like it's like anything. You go to a certain country, and there's going to be amazing people, and there's going to be a couple of dicks. No matter where you go. Um, so it's not. This isn't the whole of Australia. This is a select few funer- of. Slightly like a vocal minority in Australia. Um, that what seems to happen is um, we, and this is the opposite for America. And this is what I love about Americans as well. You guys champion your stars. Yeah, there might be some like um, drama and controversy and stuff like this, but you guys really like get someone and go like that and push and push and let's see how how like amazing this person can get how big they can get and explode and like and Australia gets that to a certain point they almost back someone until they get to a level of success and then the same people will turn around and go like oh what you think you're better than me or and then they'll try to drag them and then they'll try to drag them down because it's an insecurity thing on them that I don't understand that for, for some reason someone else's success is making you feel inadequate or bad, or you didn't you didn't chase your dream as hard as they did, or this or that, or or whatever reason. Even if you don't share the same dream. Um, it, it was it's becomes popular to sometimes tear a certain person down once they've reached levels of certain like amount of success. And this doesn't always happen. Um and um it doesn't always happen, and I think it's again a thing of like uh vocal minority, but in in recent years with social media and stuff like that, that vocal minority can become quite powerful so i've I've seen it really get to people and upset people and really drag them down and it even drag down some careers and yeah it's a really unfortunate um, thing I've seen sometimes in the Australian culture, and I've seen the opposite. I've seen quite the opposite with America where, like I said, you you champion your guys and girls. And I don't know what it's like in the UK. I don't know what it's like in India or Germany or the Netherlands. I I just know from what I've seen in my life so far.
0: And the idea is that tall poppy really just refers to you're getting a big head, right? You're believing, you're believing you're, we're trying to keep you modest.
3: It's becoming, it's a, it's a weird misconception of it. It's really just a mis like yeah, I think it's a misconception of like you get to a certain point and then they go like who the F do you think you are? You'll you'll want like drag you back down. Um and like again, I think it's like it's from a self-imposed challenge on themselves, like they're they're not secure, they're not happy with the way things turned out for them, or whatever, and they feel like they've got to drag someone who is successful down.
0: I um, see what you're saying. Yeah,
3: right. It's not necessarily like it's not necessarily like a star of ours has a big head, it's the insecurity of the person um, who's saying those things and trying to bring them down. But, you know, and that's like everything. Sometimes we have stars that are big-headed and need to be, go like, listen, you're being a dick. Right. Like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or, or there are other ones that are super nice. It's like, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone in Australia that's... Um. There is a band that comes to mind that we've, we haven't worked with and they might, they might know about us, they might not, I don't know, but we worked, our previous producer in Australia, um, th- that was his big band that he worked with and, and, they, and they blew up. They had a worldwide number one and, and all that sort of stuff like that and there was people in the music scene over there that got angry because they felt like they skipped a bunch of steps these see. imaginary steps and they go, you didn't do the, the tour scene. you didn't do this thing, you didn't do that scene. It's like, who gives a fuck? They, right. they blew up. They're like, that is awesome. Like, I, I, I and want that for yourself or, or want that for other people. It's, it's a really, it's a really unsuccessful mindset to have, to want to drag people down. And as you can tell, it's something I'm quite passionate about. Like, cause yeah. it happened, it, it did happen to us as well that, we got to a certain level or certain thing and people would shun you off or try to bring you down or or do whatever. And um, yeah, so I think that those kind of people really just need to take a hard look at themselves and um, which they probably won't because they probably don't understand that it's an issue that stems from within. Some people might, and that's great too, but um, it's, yeah it is a thing that happens
0: now for you in terms of you guys haven't played live in a while and it's not, it's not really clear to me when that will happen again. Um, yeah. how, how, what is your, what do you, is your philosophical approach to that and how are you keeping sane? You must be like a boxer wanting to get into the ring. You could, yeah.
3: Couldn't describe it better actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been hard. It's been it's been really hard because you know we love touring we love seeing fans and meeting them and talking to them and um and playing the shows and um yeah and I get like that definitely before I go on stage I get this like uh, this kind of energy of like wanting like yeah like you said like a box one gathering like I want to get up there I want to I want to absolutely crush this show and yeah um and then obviously being uh, being on tour you, you you know we're all best like we're best friends. Um, so missing missing them a lot too. Missing the times that we shared. Yeah, they have some of the best memories of my life, um, best experiences. And um, you know, we started out as a, a band doing open mic nights in front of literally the bar staff. Um, and then we got a little bit better, a little bit better. Then we started headlining. Then we started like getting in opening slots in the club scene. And then we started headlining the club scene. Then we started touring bigger bands. And then we started touring headlining and um, and we went from a band who started up in open mic nights, and then recently we just played the Hard Rock Cafe in Vegas on the Strip, and you just go, holy shit! Like that, it's really and, and play. And then we headlined um the Whiskey Go Go, we headlined the um uh, the Viper Room, like all these like iconic places, and then we're touring around these places that we heard about in America as well, and yeah, so. To see that momentum sort of come to a, a like literally grinding halt, yeah, uh, is very upsetting. To not be on the road and to uh, be around your friends and your and your fans and stuff like that and playing shows is, is upsetting. But it's a it's a time of um. Unfortunately, sometimes I don't like this same, but it is what it is. And the fact I think the only solace that we can sort of take in this time is it's not just you. It's not like. Oh, there's one bad this all this bad stuff is happening to Between Kings or all this bad stuff is just happening like all these tours are cancelled for Gang of Youths and Tame and Parlour or whatever. <laughs> it's like, no, we're we're all and stand up comedians and like we're all in the same boat and, and that's not even in, in entertainment in general as well. That's you know, people who work have lost jobs and you know, we're that's un, it's an unfortunate byproduct, but it's the only silver lining we can take is that we are all in this together and and uh, my hope is that we sort of come out of this more caring, more understanding. Um, you know, there's a part of me too that can think that we might come out of this a bit more pessimistic and a bit more um, bit more inclined to push people away but I, I hope that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, I hope it's more of a we've got through this give me a hug type thing right right Instead, of like we this this is over get away from me and i don't want to hear about you um yeah so i really hope it's it's that and um my philosophy on it is just try to do what you can like now's the perfect time to now is the you know the perfect time to pick up the instrument to to if you're thinking about it, if you're got an EP or a couple of songs together and you go, oh, I want to put an EP together or I want to put an album together, but I've only got an EP amount of songs. Like get your, get your songs. Yeah. Start, start writing, like just do that. Or, um, you know, I, I'm, I've gotten quite decent at music production and working in DAWs and, and all that sort of stuff. So I play a bit of keyboard and stuff like that, but I know more about production that I can cheat my keyboard skills where I go, I can can't play these chords, uh, whatever, but I could go, you know, bang, bang, bang and put and type them in sort of thing. And then go one, two, three, four, next chord, and then glue the chords together. <laughs> um, so I've been, so I've been taking this time to try actually get better at that as well. Um, to go, okay, well, I want to get better at that. So I don't have to take those steps. And sometimes those steps are important. You can find out things too, but you know, I've been trying to get better at that. And I've been really diving more and more into production and uh, I'm writing for other artists as well. Um, so I've been doing a lot of writing for other artists, a lot of mixing, uh, mastering, and learning more about that. Uh, songwriting in general, I'm, I'm writing different genres. Like we're, in, you know, an alternative band, but at the moment I'm writing like a lot of um, like hip-hop and trap and um, sometimes some dirty stuff, some, like some lo-fi stuff as well and trying to keep those sort of things open and some edm type stuff for some people too and yeah, so now's the perfect time to explore and to learn.
0: You know, I appreciate the seriousness you have towards your craft. Um, you're such a nice guy. It's a, it's a, a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, that, that means a lot. Thank you so much. I feel the same way about you. I hope we'll come back on the show because it's, it's really interesting to have this narrative of I'm really interested in craft and discipline um, and you evince all those things that make me think there's nothing you really can't do. Um, oh, thank you. That, that, re- that really does mean a lot to me. Jordan Coyne. Uh, by the way, not only is he just a lovely guy, uh, I think he's honestly one of the one of the up and coming architects in modern music. He has a real penchant for production and uh, a real understanding of the pop music paradigm. He's a very sophisticated thinker. His take on production and composition is uh truly innovative. He's uh he's really a guy to watch. As for Between Kings, that band's going to be huge. As soon as the world heals and uh live music will happen again, go see them. In the meantime, betweenkings.com uh is the place to go, pick up the new EP. Uh it's marvelous. I love that band. Uh go to alexgreenonline.com, see what's going on with me, uh pick up my book at your local indie bookstore. Uh, they will be so happy to see you. They'll be so happy to bring you a book. They, uh, they really will. They'll be thrilled, uh, because you're helping them stay in business. Who wouldn't be thrilled with that? Thank you as always for your support, uh, of my endeavors outside of this program. And, uh, <laughs> it sounds so official. I feel like I'm, uh, I'm selling you stock options. Anyway, look, thank you for your support, uh, with everything that I do. From this program, uh, to my literary career, to my, uh, my foray into the world of MMA cage fighting. If you're so inclined to follow me on Twitter, please do so at Embers Editor or on Instagram at Embers Podcast or just email me editor at stereoembersmagazine.com. Who should I get on the show? Who should I bring back? Send me an email and let me know. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, leave us a rating, tell all your friends. We would appreciate it. Let's close the show with a longer listen to the title track of the Antidote EP. This is Between Kings. Enjoy it, and thank you as always for listening to our program, Stereo Embers, the podcast, right here on Bombshell Radio.
1: I can tell that I've lost my way Sitting out here on my own again This is more than I can take And I wish I could be the same But truth be told, I'm not sure I can maybe that's okay Now I need a reason to carry figured out, but now I see I'm not that strong, but
2: by tonight I'll have something in my system, everything will be okay, I need a prescription, just to get me through the